Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is a message brought to our church by a guest speaker. We hope that it is a blessing to you, and we would love to hear how God has used it in your life. All right, let's take our Bibles together tonight to Romans in chapter 8. The thing that, that we ought to do before we come in before we come into church is we ought to sit outside and we ought to just say, Lord, yes. Before I know what's being preached, before I know what you've put on pastor's heart, uh, the answer is yes, I'll obey. Uh, I'll yield myself. I'll not harden myself against your will. We should just all say, Lord, yes. Whatever it is you want to say, yes. It's a great way to be in the spiritual life, isn't it? Just obedient to the Lord. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that the rebellious dwells in a dry land. And we, we as the children of God, we can be in that situation. We can be rebellious against God. We can say no when God is speaking. And if you've ever been there in your life, you'll know what I mean by that. It's just a dry place when you're not listening to God. And so it's good to be in a place where the Bible's preached, isn't it? You know what? There are a lot of places in this country where the Bible's not preached. And uh, there may not, I don't know Moses Lake well, I just know I don't like driving up here. But aside from that, um, I know this, that uh, there's probably not a whole lot of places in this city that are preaching this, this book tonight. So what a blessing to be in a place that the Word of God is preached. Amen. Amen. It's a real blessing. All right, Romans chapter 8. This is an amazing uh, chapter, and we would do it in injustice if we just pulled it out in the middle of the book of Romans and just tried to pick snippets out of it. You know, it really helps us to understand the context of what Paul was writing about here. But we don't really have time to dig into all of that. So let me just give you a very small snapshot of the previous two chapters, which lead us to this tonight. And all I want to do today is just give you a little bit of a Bible study. I want to be an encouragement to you, but I want to just show you something about the mind of God for your life if you're saved tonight. Because really, that's what this book is all about. It's God's mind, God's mind to us. You know what we call that? We call that doctrine. It's the teaching of God. And so he's just going to teach us something, all right? Now, what we have is this. We have Romans 6 and 7, which really teach us uh, one of the fundamental truths that every new believer needs to know. And And that is this, that when you get saved, you still have within you a sinful nature. Okay, you need to know that. And you need to know that, that you are constantly now going to be at warfare inside every day of your life. Because Romans 7 tells us that there's two laws that are in operation in our life. There is... There is the law of sin and death. That's the old man, which is still at work on the inside. But then you also have a second law, and that law is called the law of the spirit of life. And that law was at operation. It began to operate inside of you the moment that you were born again. And so now what you have is you have a choice in your spiritual life. You have a choice, as I do every day of my life, that I'm either going to walk in the spirit or I'm going to walk after the flesh. We have a choice. And we have to make that choice before we crawl out of bed in the morning. So what, what's good for us is before we open our eyes in the morning, before we get that cup of coffee, before we do anything else, is we say, now, Lord, I'm laying myself down before you today. I'm alive, but I'm offering this life as a sacrifice to you. And I want my life to be holy because, Lord, you said that's acceptable unto you. And God, I know that that is my reasonable service for you today. So that's the way I'm going to start my day out. Because I don't want the old man in charge today. That's a bad way to start the day. I want you to speak through my life 
and to me today and use my life so you'd be glorified. That's how we ought to start the day. All right, now, brethren, I know that probably a lot of us are in the habit of reading our Bibles every day, and, and that's a good way to start your day. But we've got to be very careful that we don't just have a, a checklist of Christianity. I'm doing this and I'm doing this, and we think that inoculates us from wrongdoing. We've got to consciously be aware of the fact that we have to yield ourselves to the Lord every day. Are you with me on that? Okay, so that's, that's really the, fu the fundamental principle of Romans 6 and 7. And if you're newly saved here tonight, then you just need to know that there still is that old man at operation inside of you. That's why you struggle. That's why you want to do right and sometimes you don't. That's why there's a battle with your mind. That's why there's a battle of your will. Why is that? It's because there's an old man on the inside. And some Christians get really discouraged about their life because they don't realize that that's still there. And they think, man, when I got saved, he washed my sins away and we're excited about that. I've got a home in heaven and all of that's true. But sometimes we as older believers, we don't teach these new believers, hey, you need to understand the old man's still in there, all right? So it's just an encouragement to us. Now, we, we get into Romans chapter eight then, and this is a continuation of what Paul was talking about. So I want you to notice what he says. There's therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Now, what he means is this. He says that the condemnation he's talking about here is the judgment of God in our flesh. And he's saying, now, there, there won't be the judgment of God for sin in your life if you walk after the Spirit. But, brethren, the truth of the matter is, if we as believers choose to walk after the flesh, to pattern ourselves after the old man, God's going to have to chasten us for doing wrong, right? That's the premise of Hebrews in chapter 10, where God talks about the chastening that he gives to us when we do wrong, right? And it, it's not... It's not joyous when God has to smack us around a little bit for doing wrong, but it's a grievous thing, isn't it? That's what he said. But it yields in us what he calls the peaceable fruit of righteousness if we allow him to exercise us that way. That's, that's what chastening is for. So what Paul is saying here is now there, there is no judgment of God in your life if you're walking after the spirit and not after the flesh. So what's, the, what's this meant to remind us to do? It's meant to remind us to give our life to walking spiritually today and not sliding back into the old ways so that God has to chasten us for wrongdoing. You understand? It's not meant to make us fear as much as it is to make us understand. This is what God does. Why does God chasten us? Do you know? Because he loves us. I'm so glad that I had a dad who spanked me. I'm so glad for it. I was a little rat bag when I was a kid. I'm so glad that dad did what he did. He probably should have gone the extra mile. I'd have been an even better guy today, all right? But aren't you glad if you had, a, if you had parents that disciplined you, right? Well, why did they do it? It's not because they hate, they hate you, theoretically. It's because they love you and they want, you to, they want your life to be corrected. Okay, so that's what Paul's talking about. Now, that's not what we're, we're preaching about tonight, but that's kind of the basis for all of this. So he says uh, in verse number two, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Now, what I want to talk to you about tonight is this. Ideally, we're going to get down here in another 10 or so verses, and I'm going to talk to you about what Paul says that we ought to view our life as. And I want to ask you a question. I, I, I like to ask questions when I teach, but let me ask you this, more for you to just think about than to speak about. How is it that you as a child of God tonight, how do you view your life? I just want you to think about that. Who are you in the sight of God? And let me ask you this way. What does God have as far as an expectation of your life? Because I'm here to tell you tonight that if you're saved by the grace of God, then God does have expectations for your life. There are things that God expects of us. 
So here's what Paul said. I want you to understand what took place when I got saved. So look at it again with me in verse number two. He says that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, that's the law of Romans 7 that I told you about. That happened the moment you got saved. That law began to work. And what it did in verse number two is it says it made you free from the law of sin and death. All right? So here's what you need to understand. When you got saved, what tremendous liberty God granted to you in your life. What did that liberty do for you? It freed you from the law of sin and death. So let's talk about what it is as a lost person. Lost people view Christianity as this way. Here's what they view it. They view it as restraint. They say that if, if, I, if I get religion, that's what they say, right? If I get Jesus and I get religion and all that, then it's gonna, it's gonna restrain me. I am, I am bound to the, to the thou shalts and the thou shalt nots of what God said. And I don't wanna live my life under restraint. That's what a lot of lost people view Christianity as. But when you get saved, what do you know is true? You know actually the opposite is true. When you get saved, you realize I am free. I'm free, correct? Uh, what you realize is, oh, you know what? I was actually in bondage to sin before I got saved, but I couldn't see it. And don't, doesn't that burden your heart for the lost people that you know, the people you know and love that are lost? Don't, don't, doesn't, don't you feel burdened for them that you see that they are un, in bondage to their sin and they can't even see it? But when you get saved, you know you're free. And Paul talked about that liberty and he said it's a glorious liberty. What a wonderful liberty we have. But what did God do? What did he free me from when I got saved? He freed me from sin and death. Hey, you know, if, if you and I sat here tonight during our praise time, whether we expressed it verbally or not, or we just expressed it in our heart, I think all of us, if we're saved, we should have said, Lord, thank you that you saved me from my sin. You know, the penalty and the price of my sin. That's, that's what it means to be born again. I've been set free. I'm so glad I'm free. Aren't, aren't you glad for that? I'm so glad that I'm free. I, I don't have to do what I did before. I'm not in bondage to that anymore. And Paul said, I'm, I'm free. It's made me free from the law of sin and death because sin and the sin nature has power. And God said, I've stripped that away. You're free now. Okay. Now, this is a basis for something that we're going to get to. So I want you to notice now what he says. He said in verse number three, um, for what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So what he says there is the law was a perfect standard. Hey, listen, listen. The law was a perfect standard that man could not achieve. The law is perfect, isn't it? This law that you have in your, in your hands today. The law of God is perfect, but man could not reached that standard because of the law of sin at operation inside of him. So we were doomed. But what God did was he sent his only begotten son in the likeness of sinful flesh, right? And he sent, he sent him for sin. And what he did was through his death and resurrection, he condemned and judged sin on the cross. He said, it is finished. So all that was necessary for the condemnation of sin was accomplished upon his death. And so what he did was he traded his righteousness for my sin, right? Isn't that what he did? So what Paul is saying is you need to understand the transaction that took place at the cross. And then when you got saved, that transaction was completed in your life. You have been freed from sin and death by virtue of the death of Jesus Christ who gave you his righteousness. Now, listen, I know we don't have really good health here, but if you could kick your heels up, this would be a really good time to do it, right? 
You say, God, thank you for what you did for me. That's what he's talking about here, all right? So I like 2 Corinthians in 5. You don't need to turn there, but you know the verse. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. What's it say? Old things are passed away and all things? Oh, hey, all things are become new. That's what Jesus did for us. So what did our salvation do? Well, it freed us from the law of sin and death that was at operation in our life. It freed me from bondage to my sin nature. Okay, that's what it did for me. Look at verse number five. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. Now, hang on, listen. Let's read it again, but think about what he's saying. For they that are after the flesh, those people, they mind the things of the flesh. But listen now, I'm no longer in bondage to that, correct? So read the rest of the verse then. But they that are after the Spirit, they mind the things of the Spirit. Okay, here's what happened when I got saved. I was now free. I was now at liberty to mind or give heed to or pay attention to or adhere to the things of the Spirit of God. I was unable to do those things when I was lost. But Jesus saved me and severed me from a sin nature. And now I am free to mind the things of the Spirit. You understand that? The lost world, they try to sometimes pattern themselves after, after spiritual things. They want to do good works, you understand? The lost world is full of religious people who want to do good things because they're thinking that their good things will cancel out their bad things. Or they think that their good things will in some way incur favor with them with a God they don't know. But God says that's not how it works. You understand that? What happened now is when I got saved and I was torn away from the power of the old nature, now I have liberty to mind the things of the Spirit. And now the Bible says I have been created unto good works. God created me, for we are His workmanship, created by Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. You understand? That's the way God created me. I am now free to mind the things of the Spirit, to do spiritual things in my life that I could not do before I got saved. Are you with me tonight? You understand? Okay, it's simple, isn't it? It's a simple truth. But God is reminding us today what he did for us when he died on the cross of Calvary and we believed. He freed me from the law of sin and death and then he said, now I've given you liberty to mind spiritual things. So let me ask you a question. What are you minding in your life? What are you paying attention to in your life? Are they spiritual things or are they carnal things? Now, here's the danger we have. Carnal things in and of themselves, brethren, are not sinful things. You know what the word carnal means? Carnal means fleshly things. So, for example, if you work a job, that's a carnal thing. You understand? It's not a wrong thing. It's a necessary thing. God tells us that if we don't work, we shouldn't eat. It's pretty important to work. God says you're supposed to provide for your own, especially they of your own household. You understand? That's the mind of God. That's a carnal thing. But the problem is this we can get so wrapped up in the carnal things of life that we lose our ability to mind spiritual things. So Jesus said, let me tell you a parable about the sower and the seed. You know that parable? And he talks about the different kinds of soil. And one of them, he says, he cast the seed into the soil and the thorns sprang up. And what happened to the seed? It couldn't grow because there were thorns that grew up around it. You remember that parable? Now, Jesus said to his disciples, let me tell you what that means. He says that that particular kind of soil is like this. 
You sit in church. You read your Bible during your time with the Lord. And God, who is the sower, listen to me tonight. God, who is the sower, sows into your life. You know what he's doing right now for you? He's sowing his word into your life as you sit here tonight. He is a deliberate sower into our life. But if you have been so enamored with or encompassed around with so many cares of life, what happens is it chokes the word of God and that word becomes unfruitful in your life. And what is it that God desires for our life as believers? That we would be fruitful. He desires for us to be fruitful. How do we know that's true? Because Jesus was talking about it in John 15. And he said, hey, brethren, he said, abide in me. And he said, let my word abide in you. Because if you abide in me, Jesus said, and my words abide in you, he said, you're going to bring forth fruit. He wants fruit in our life, doesn't he? Do you understand? Listen, do you understand? We don't have to try to find a way to generate a life of fruitfulness for Jesus. Do you, you understand what I mean by that? We don't have to go take a class on how to be fruit-bearing. What we have to understand is if we are walking in the Spirit, our life will bear fruit. When Jesus talked, or when Paul talked about the fruit of the Spirit in the book of Galatians, it wasn't something we had to go out and try to manufacture. It's the product of a life yielded to God. We will have love and joy and peace and gentleness and goodness and faith and long-suffering. These will be products of our life. They will just come out of us if we're yielded to the Lord and we're walking in His Spirit. How are we going to do that? We're going to do that when we recognize that because we got saved, we are now free to mind spiritual things and we give ourselves to spiritual things in our life. And when that happens, we become fruitful. You understand? We don't have to say, oh, how is it that I please the Lord? Yield yourself to the Spirit of God. Your life will please the Lord. You will be spiritually minded. You won't be carnal. You won't be so choked up with the things of life that you're no longer able to sit and listen to the preaching and teaching of the Word of God. Listen, what's choking your life today? What have you allowed into your life that has so choked the Word of God that it no longer bears fruit in your life? Have you, have you become so enamored with things of this life and so encompassed around about things of this world that you no longer can listen to what the Spirit of God says when you open this book? That's why some Christians stop coming to church because they just don't get anything out of it. That's not the preacher's fault. It's not. It's the fault of the listener. You know why some things don't happen in church? It's not the fault of the man of God. Sometimes we as listeners are not prepared to listen. And we don't walk into the church, like I said at the very beginning, and say, Lord, I already say yes. I already lay myself down in yieldedness before you today. Whatever you tell me, I'll do. How often do we do that before we walk in? Brethren, if the church is going to grow and go and move forward to the glory of God, the listeners have to be prepared. Spiritually minded. All right, so we're free now to mind the things of the Spirit. Let's, uh, let's move on here. Uh, there's much more to be said, but look at verse number six. He says, for to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. You see, when we're spiritually minded, your, your life is characterized by peace. So let me ask you a question. Would you say that your life tonight could be characterized by peace? 
Now, sometimes we want to answer because we want to make ourselves look good. But if I was to ask your wife or I was to ask your husband, would you say that your spouse is at peace in their life? Is it evident in their life? I wonder what that answer would be. If somebody was to ask your children or somebody was to ask your parents about your life, you understand? Is the, is the character trait, the predominant character trait of your life, one who is at peace? God says if you're spiritually minded, it's life and peace. And peace doesn't mean the absence of trial. It doesn't mean the absence of conflict. It means resting in the promise of God. It means that you're walking in, in intimacy and in proximity with Jesus Christ. That's what it means. And when we're there, we have peace. What did Jesus say to the, to, the, uh, to the storm around him and the disciples were in the ship? He said, peace, be still. Where did the peace come from? It came from the presence of, of Jesus Christ. The lesson he was trying to teach them is it doesn't matter what's taking place on the outside. What matters is, am I here with you? And when he's here with us, there's peace. And so he's saying that we, we need to have life and peace, a peaceful life. And having a, a heart and mind that's settled and focused on what matters to God is going to bring peace in your life. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. What a great verse. God said, I'll keep you in perfect peace, but your mind has to be stayed. Listen, anchored and fastened to God because he trusts in thee. You understand? If I just say, God, I'm going to anchor to you because I trust you then God said, I'll just give you peace. I'll just give you peace. You can just read Philippians 4, and he tells you all about that peace again that comes from a proximity, a closeness to Jesus Christ. All right? Now let's move on. We're just about done here, but I want you to notice what takes place. We're going to drop down a minute. Uh, verse number 10, if you look at it, it says, And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. Now you know that's true. Your body's going to die one day, right? Why does the body die? Because there's sin in the body. So we know that that's going to take place. But it says, but the Spirit, capital S, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. So listen, now that we have Jesus Christ in us, we enter into his life. That's what he's saying. What kind of life does Jesus Christ have? Well, he has eternal life, doesn't he? What did he give us when we got saved? Same life. What did my salvation do, among other things? It allowed me to enter into the life of Christ. So now that I'm saved, I'm free from the law of sin and death. I'm free from it. Now that I'm saved, I'm free now to mind the things of the Spirit. I can now think spiritually. I couldn't do it before. Now that I'm saved, I understand I've entered into the life of Jesus Christ. And the purpose of life, brethren, people all around the world are trying to figure out what the purpose of life is. There's a whole lot of Christians trying to figure out, well, what's the meaning and purpose of my life? Do you know what the purpose of your life is? Look at verse 4 of this chapter. He says that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Okay, this is, this is what Jesus is saying. I want to live out my life through you. Do you see that? We can condense the Christian life down. We can condense the desire of God for our life down to that thought. If you want to live a life that's pleasing to the Lord, if you want to know what hope is, if you want to know what the great purpose of life is as a child of God, here's what it is. God wants to live his life through you. That's what he wants to do. And if you and I will yield ourselves to the Lord and be spiritual and walk in the spirit, he will be formed in us. You understand? And we'll have perfect peace in life. 
Hey, listen, what a great way to go through life, isn't it? And I know I'm preaching to the choir tonight. I understand you probably know all of this, but don't we need to be reminded of it? Don't we need to just hear it again? It, it's a refresher, but it's a necessary refresher. Now, here's, here's the last thing to say to you tonight, because really this is the message. All of that was introduction. Here's the thought, all right? I want you to look at um, verse number 10 again. If Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Now, you know that to be true. We, we call that the resurrection. Aren't you glad if you're saved tonight that this isn't all there is? Come on, you know it's not all there is. This life is not all there is. The brokenness, the sickness, the hurt, the pain, all the stuff that we face in, in the human life. Brethren, this, this, this ain't it. This is a small little vapor. And God says, I'm going to raise up this body. And you're going to have a new body. I'm only just yet 47, all right? So I got a little ways to go. But I already hurt in places where I, I didn't hurt in my 20s. Right? And I'm already looking forward to not having back pain and, you understand, and other things, right? It's like every week you wake up and there's something else wrong. Like, what happened? Is there a warranty on this thing or what? You know, I need to take it back. So God's going to quicken this mortal body. But look at verse number 12. Here's the crux of the whole message. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. Because he said in verse 13, if you live after the flesh, you're going to die. Verse 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. Hey, guys, you know what we are? We're debtors. You know what that means? We are in debt to God. And put it this way, we owe him. We owe him. And he, he said it's reasonable that we would live this way. We owe him. But guys, listen, when we read the Bible, we find out we don't just owe him. We owe the world. And Paul talked about that in his life. Paul talked about the fact that he was a debtor to, to the Greek, to the barbarian, he was looking at the world around him and he said, I owe everybody to hear the gospel. He was looking at his life and he was saying two things. I don't belong to me, I belong to God. But now I understand I owe the world around me to hear the gospel. You know what this is? This is a call to the missionary work. But not just for a, a man or a family going to a mission field. It's us, brethren. It's us. We all had the same missionary call. And it's a call to us to realize we are debtors to the lost, to the neighbors, to the friends, to the workmates, to the classmates. We are debtors to give them the gospel, to use whatever means is at our disposal through the power of God to at least give them an opportunity to respond to the truth of the gospel. We owe them, but we're never going to do that unless we understand the first four things I told you here in this chapter. Unless we understand who we are and that we're free and that, you understand? Unless we understand that, we're not going to realize we owe the world. So I just want to ask you to consider that tonight with me. Would we, would we walk out of here and say, Lord, I've been reminded tonight I'm a debtor. And, and, and I owe you. I owe you my life. You can have it. Don't, listen, don't be afraid of what God might do when you tell him you can have your life. He can have your life. Because God's choices for you are better choices. We always fear that God's going to send me to Africa. God's going to pull me away from the stability and the security and the love that I have in my life as if he's some monster that's looking for some horrible thing to do to our life. That's not the nature of God. That's not who he is. It's contrary to who he is. 
How, how much of an offense to God is it when we act that we don't act like we don't trust Him? I don't trust that you would make better choices for me than I think I can make. But when we yield ourselves to him and we say, God, I, I owe you my life, here it is. But then, Lord, help me to see the world around me and realize I owe them too. And as we walk out of here, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna do everything I can tomorrow to pay the debt to the lost people around me so they can hear the gospel too. Lord, thank you for your word tonight. Help us to be reminded of it. It may have been a challenge or a rebuke. Maybe it was just a, a gentle reminder, but... But either way, Lord, we all need to be reminded. I need to be reminded how much we owe you. We just owe you our life. But God, how much we owe the world around us. Help us to do all that we can for the glory of God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.